basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. That's what I like to put in Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Tampering, the Athletics NBA Insiders podcast. I'm Joe Varden, joined by an actual NBA insider, Sam Amick. Sam, hello. Joe Varden, good morning. Um, quick question for you, brother. Are, are your eyes actually red after your, your red eyes? Is it one of those mornings for you? I am dragging this. Uh, we are recording just after 11, actually close to 1130 here on the East Coast. And that is by pure accident. I, I accidentally woke up, forgot to set an alarm, didn't think I would be out that long. Uh, I flew home on the red eye overnight from Los Angeles and uh, it didn't go great. And so after putting my kid on the bus at about 730, uh, just kind of stumbled into bed. And, um, you know, four hours later, here we are. Here we are. Get that energy up, brother. Glad to be here with you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not the only one with with uh, with kind of road woes. You know, what <laughs> what happened to you last week? Yeah, I know we talked off air. We're like, all right, how, how do we uh, entertain the tampering crowd this week without bringing everybody down? Joe's tired, and uh, and Sam just came off the week of hell physically. Um, yeah, I mean. I told you I I was somewhat resistant to get into it too much, but it's it's the elephant in the room. I got sick last week um, while traveling, um, you know, and those panic alarm bells go off because of what's going on in the world right now. Um, you know, do I do I have the coronavirus? I definitely do not think so. But testing is not something that is that is readily available for every man like myself. Uh, but it's been a rough week. Yeah, I mean, it's everything from you know chills, body aches, um, you know pretty severe cough in the back end, feeling a ton better, ready to get back to work this week. But um, insane times. I mean, I'm sitting here with you and I talking in my office, you know, CNN's on the TV and and every day is just, you know, nonstop updates about what's happening all around the world. Um, but the NBA certainly is part of that. And uh, we're definitely going to talk Clippers Lakers and Kenny Atkinson getting, you know, I was going to say fired, but mutually parting ways in Brooklyn. Um, some of the other storylines, but Corona is, is, you know, quickly, excuse me, quickly, you know, impacting the league and the, you know, league is, has already put out statements talking about some of the things that are being considered Um, in our circles. You know, there is a distinct possibility that locker rooms will be closed in terms of media access. Uh, LeBron James was asked about the prospect of playing games with no fans in the arena, which, you know, I was told as of yesterday seems to be still uh, a ways off, if at all, you know, in terms of happening. But, you know, LeBron was very adamant that he had zero interest in playing games with no fans. And and so um, I, I tell you, all the, time, all the years I've been doing this, Joe, I mean, this is a new one for me as far as a challenge for a sports league that, that wants to keep those revenue streams open. Um, the league has got something on its hands here. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I was in San Francisco um, – 
while there was a giant boat off the coast that you could see that apparently half the passengers have this thing. And, um, you know, I mean, the city of San Francisco wanted uh, all non-essential events to be canceled. The Warriors and the NBA had to say, yeah, well, we're, we're going to play anyway. Um, and, and there was actually, you know, Steph Curry missed his second game. He was sick. Um, and, and they, when they said illness and didn't describe anything further, but had talked about at length on Thursday about how Steph didn't want to miss any more games. And he certainly didn't want the rest and load management and all that stuff. So now it's an ABC Saturday night game and he's sick. And right before tip, the, the Warriors put out a statement saying, well, it's not, uh, Steph is indeed sick, but he has the flu, flu A. He does not have coronavirus. Um, but it was interesting because I had asked Steve Kerr during the, you know, the, the availability that night, whether or not um, Steph had ha- had been tested for coronavirus. You know, it was clear he had taken a flu test. That's how you figure that one out. But was he tested for the other thing? And the word he, Steve twice said that he was. Which would become an interesting discussion because, well, how how did Steph and the Warriors get their hands on a test so quickly when um, there weren't enough to test the people who are who are uh, presenting those symptoms, like in the San Francisco area? So, right. after about twenty minutes, the Warriors came back and said no, um, that he hadn't taken the coronavirus test. But I think the best we can say now is we're not sure. Yeah, and I told you off air too. I mean, we're not sure. I mean, I don't know how you make the distinct statement that he doesn't have it without testing, but, you know, maybe they're, they're simply, you know, connecting dots. Um, you know, jokes aside, it's, I mean, there's nothing funny about this, but I, I had a, I had a weird reaction to that Steph statement because I had had this brutal week and, and, you know, called and and now we're, this is becoming the medical, you know, tampering episode, but, but I had called, you know, I'm a Kaiser Permanente uh, guy. And in this part of the country, you know, that's a, a major provider. And, it, you know, I tried my darndest to talk to them, tell them the symptoms and say, can I please get my hands on a test for the sake of, it, it was even less about my own fear as much as it was that what's happening societally is that you want to be able to take the scarlet letter off your head. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's all there is to it. I walked down the street you know, a couple of days ago to go for a little walk just to get out and, and get the body moving. And then neighbors who are, you know, dear friends are are shuddering and asking you how you're feeling and what's the latest and they don't want to come talk to you. And and so, you know, couldn't get tested. And, uh, you know, I tried twice. And, and uh, you know, my understanding in terms of the, the very, very basic breakdown of this thing is that, you know, fever, cough, shortness of breath are the, the top three symptoms. Well, those are pretty damn synonymous with the flu as well. Um you know, if you've traveled internationally, if you've been in touch with people who are known to have had the coronavirus, you know, those two things will get you fast-tracked potentially toward a test. Um, but yeah, in the absence of mass testing, you have you, you have the 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 danger of fear and, and panic in a lot of what we're seeing right now. And so um, I don't know, again, just to keep it NBA-centric, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but it is... This is a doozy because uh, I, you know, even this week, for example, Joe, the Kings, anecdotally and just in my little lane, the Kings have the Pelicans in town on Wednesday. And before all of this, you know, had become what it is now, um, I had, you know, already been looking at getting my hands on some tickets for the family because my sons don't love hoops that much, but it's kind of like few and far between, like, let's get them out to a game. 
you know, I was going to have the boys go watch Zion. And then it's like, you know, this whole thing happens and you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not putting them in a tin box with 17,000 people. You know, I don't feel like it. So I think that's where a lot of people's heads are right now. Yeah. I, I just, um, you know, uh, <laughs> like, like you're saying, I don't know how this is going to play out. Like, like having been in these cities, like where this does, where the disease is. And I know that it's, it's kind of over by you anyway. Um, but like, let's say for the sake of argument, which, you know, you don't think you have it, but what if you did, um, it's six days later, or maybe it's eight days later and here you are like, Oh yeah. You're okay. And that, like, that's what's happening to, you know, 96 or 95% of the people who catch this thing is like, okay, five, five to seven or 10 days later, you're, you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so whatever it is. And so like, we're talking about like shutting down billions and billions well, of dollars and- in the economy over this thing that like, yes, it sounds scary. And when now when someone coughs, like, like if you catch it, you, you get better. So I, I just, yeah, but I mean, the, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine. I hear you. And, and again, we got to be careful here. We're not the experts, but we we're allowed to have opinions too. And I have been obviously deep in it in terms of reading because of my, my, my condition. Um, here's the thing. Yeah. You obviously, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm on the mend already. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm big time on the mend. I'm sleeping fine again, which was a, a major problem all of last week. But uh, it's all about, you know, whoever has it, who they're passing it on to. And then at some point, it's going to find its way into the more vulnerable communities, you know, mainly the elderly and, and the folks who have other health issues. And that's where the, the scary stuff is. Another story for you, Joe, that um, that, that I'm glad I didn't forget to share. I mean, you, t- you talk about things shutting down. Um, my wife's a school teacher. Um, my boys are in the school district. They shut down the district this week. Um, it's one of the few ones where they've already done this and it's, uh, it's in, again, I'm, I'm sharing all this weird, dirty laundry, but it's all relevant to the conversation. So it's the Elk Grove Unified School District. And, uh, it's a a very, very controversial thing locally right now. Uh, I say locally, I got a note from my sister who lives in England asking me about it. So it's, it's in the news, but, um, they very hastily decided to shut down the district. And what they ended up doing was they actually moved spring break from early April to this coming week. They essentially said, we're going to just, you know, arbitrarily kind of make this coming week spring break. Um, but in addition to that, I mean, you know, you're shutting down all events uh, of any kind related, you know, tied to the school. So where the controversy came in was the Sheldon high school basketball team, which, Oh, by the way, includes Marvin Bagley's brother. Uh, Marcus Bagley was scheduled to play a playoff game and from one moment to the next got told that, uh, that they were done. He he's a senior in high school and, and his high school career had come to an end where they were supposed to play another squad. And basically because the district made this choice, they were forced to forfeit. The other team moves on and that's a wrap. Congrats on your high school career. So, you know, that decision was made, I think, a couple nights ago. Next thing you know, community's up in arms. Uh, Marcos Bertone, my former colleague at the Sacramento Bee, wrote a pretty scathing column that, that got a lot of people, you know, even more kind of in a, in a lather. Um, they had a, a, a pretty wild press conference about this whole thing yesterday. And they uh, – oh, that's great. I'm going to share that in real time as my wife texts me to tell me she's 
not going to the gym because she's not feeling great. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they have now, it looks like they're now going to find a way to play the game um, and and try to find some of these, you know, find solutions in between this decision that they've made. Now, I mean, the folks from the district, they're trying their best, you know what I mean? And, And it's a tough time to second guess, but it's also, uh, you know, there's not a there's not a, a handbook to how to do this thing, but uh, it is wild because you know those kinds of decisions are are having to be made all over the world right now. Well, and and this is, I mean, this you know kind of goes back to the idea of well, how, how does this affect the listener? And we're talking about you know the NBA is considering everything as all these leagues are, all the way up to canceling games, which is of course is the absolute last thing they they can do or want to do, uh, given the economic impact. But you know there's a memo floating around out there, and and we have it um, that talks about the league and its teams preparing for situations where, as you mentioned, maybe the fans wouldn't be in there. Um, and that memo also says. Basically, two ways. It says the possibility that media won't be allowed in as well at all, um, which it'd be tough to reconcile because of the billions at stake from a TV contract. Um, and if you're not going to let fans into the in there, but you're going to continue to play the games, then of course you're going to have to find a way to show them on TV. Um, so if you let in the TVs, then I would imagine that you would let in us. And so it's kind of like insulting and absurd to suggest that, well, you know, a media member is more likely to catch this thing than, you know, somebody who's like in basketball operations or, or a ticket taker or, or you know, whatever it is. Um, I, I guess ticket, the ticket takers won't be there if no one's allowed in. But, you know, the people who work for the team, like if you have it, you have it. Um, all that being said, and I don't want to use names um, to protect the identity of the person that this happened to, but it was just a scary ass thing. Thursday in Sacramento, you know, the coronavirus is kicking up. We know there's this boat off the coast. And at the Warriors game, uh, everything's fine. Go through pregame. Nobody knows anything's going on. And then a reporter at the game at Press Row, somewhere in the first quarter, all of a sudden gets violently sick. And um, basically, like, had to get up, go get sick, uh, and then, like, kind of fell down. And, like, it's not coronavirus or whatever, but this person had to be taken from the arena uh, by ambulance to, to a hospital where there was an exam. And, you know, I mean, so, like, that shook people sure, <laughs> like sure. those of us who were jaded and we're trying That's to like ignore this and yeah. do the job or whatever and then like holy shit like <laughs> yeah this, this person wasn't sick 25 minutes ago everybody's on edge i mean man joe i was gonna go to the king's raptors game yesterday i was feeling really good and you know you get closer to the time when you're gonna leave and yeah, like even on the pod you know full disclosure i've already hit the mute button twice because i had to cough and so you know, I got closer to when I was going to leave for the Kings Raptors game and I'm going, man, I feel just incredibly better than I did a few days ago. Like I'm ready to rock. I want to go do my job. Let's go. And I, you know, I'm feeling pretty restless, obviously. And then you kind of sit there and you're thinking like, I don't want to be that guy in the room, you know, who inspires that kind of a reaction. I even, you know, I sent uh, one of the Kings PR folks a a text saying, I'm going to be a late scratch. You know, I said, I've been sick and I don't want to be that guy who coughs and makes everybody nervous. And, you know, naturally I get this note back that was basically like, oh, nope, like stay home. Good luck. (laughs) You know, that's how people feel right now. 
If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities, basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that connects you with a doctor license in your state, all from the comfort of home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab a phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash tampering for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash tampering for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Let's talk some hoops, man, because you you were, you know, healthy enough to be in the building at Staples Center yesterday. And, uh, Joe, there's not a lot of games where I think part of it is, again, that I am feeling uh, restless because of what's been going on. But I'm sitting in my office watching that Lakers-Clippers game, and I laughed at one point because, now granted, the, the office has legitimately become my own hotel room. I've been sleeping in here to uh, stay away from the family. But um, – but I was standing up during that game. Like that game was intense. That game was playoff atmosphere. That game, you know, it had stakes. Uh, you know, the Clippers obviously had won the first two meetings. You've got the just this LA rivalry that is a lot of fun with stars on both sides and and uh, just a ton of talent. Um, hell of a ball game. Lakers pull it out. LeBron did you know did some pretty special things. I thought it was one of the most you know impactful. Um, LeBron, like in terms of his line did not jump out at you. It's not one of those 30-point triple-double nights. But his defense, I thought, was really strong. The way he controlled pace, the way he he was the quarterback on the offensive end, thought he was fantastic. And uh, Lakers pull it off. What did you see there? Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot. And I think it starts with, um, I think it it does start with LeBron for the first time in this Laker Clipper rivalry series. He was not outplayed by Kawhi. Um, That was like the major thing in each of the first two games that the Clippers won is that Kawhi scored 30, 35 points and he dictated pace of play. And that was not the case on yesterday. Uh, That was not the case yesterday, especially in the fourth quarter, which had previously been owned by Kawhi. Uh, It was LeBron getting to the hole. Um, He also had uh, was able to distribute the ball in the fourth quarter as well. Um, The Lakers did something that was interesting. They moved him away from the ball uh, more often in the fourth quarter so he could kind of catch it on the wing and get a little bit more momentum coming at Kawhi or being able to catch the the uh, put the the Clippers into a, a switchable situation where Lou Williams would end up on LeBron so that was a, that was a major adjustment that was good um, but you talked about you know like rivalry and chippy this and 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 for the first two games I mean the, the Clippers were the nastier team. They were the meaner team. They're supposed to be the deeper team. Like I think we all think they still are. Um, but you got the first quarter yesterday, Avery Bradley steals the ball from Pat Bev and goes in for a layup and then turns around and finds Pat Beverly and screams in his face. And like, that's scream? a Pat Beverly move. 
Oh yeah, like you well, sure? he got a technical. No, he got tech for yeah. He got tech for for taunting, but it. I don't think he screamed. He stared at. Well, him. yeah, that's no. He stared at him, like. And I'm not okay. trying to take well, away I from mean, it. No, I'm just saying that because it was a. And this is sometimes where it's being there is you miss stuff because it's you're not watching the telecast. Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson debated that play a lot. Like it doesn't take anything away from what you're saying. It was an intense moment, but it, I, you know, and I don't. I think I got it right. It, he he. They were debating like why in the hell is he getting a tech for staring him down? And and they even debated it with Steve Javi, who's their on air you know official to kind of weigh in on things. But but yeah, he. I think. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think whatever he did, I mean, from my seat, and yeah, I guess the, there's no replay to uh, to 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 look at in the moment. But it, what was clear was that whatever he did was in like he like he sought Pat out yes. to do it, like yeah. where he was standing totally and where Pat was, like he didn't. You know, like sometimes if you dunk on a guy, which which Avery didn't even do here, but if you dunk on a guy, the guy is literally standing in front of you. So it's like I don't know where else you are supposed to look. Um, but in this case, like right, like the the way the play unfolded, and then kind of, like Avery kind of looked at him, and the, the the broader point was like that's a Clipper move. Um, they play with that kind of swagger and that kind of chip, and it was cool to see the Lakers kind of come with that. Sure. Um, and then, I mean, you know, Anthony Davis was awesome and just like, it was, it was good to see the Lakers kind of rise to the challenge this time. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, shoot, it was probably great for Adam Silver to see because it's the type of thing that is going to generate interest, you know, and, and, and you can't not get up for a game like that. Um, you know, LeBron's intensity late, um, you know, Lisa Salters asked him after the game about, just the cliche of, you know, just another game and basically said that, that she and Mark Jackson, both, they weren't about to hear, you know, that sort of a line because you can't, you can't run from the way you competed down the stretch. And, um, it was, it was fascinating to watch, you know, Frank Vogel still stuck with his late rotations in terms of, you know, LeBron was off the floor for a few key minutes. And you wondered if if what was going to happen, you know, what so often happens was going to happen again. And you know, Rajon Rondo put a, a, enough plays together. Um, you know, Kuzma had a few nice moments, and and they figured out the bench unit enough for LeBron to come back. You know, I mean, Kawhi, it, it's you know, I, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but you know, he certainly didn't make the impact he had the last couple of games, but he still. Um, that dude is just ice cold late. You know, he hit some big shots and then they tried to get that thing done. Yeah. I mean, he had 27, which, um, I was commenting afterwards was like the most mundane 27 point game I'd ever seen uh, just cause it's hard to do. He, he had two rebounds and zero assists. Um, and he just like, I actually thought he wasn't moving well. Like I, I was wondering if, um, you know, if there was quad or knee issues, um, that had kind of popped up cause he just didn't play with the same step. Now, Paul George was fantastic. He, this was kind of his arrival game in the series. Um, you know, he had 31, but 29 of them through three quarters. So kudos to the Lakers. But, you know, you, when you talk about, is this just another game or is it, the, is it, um, a playoff preview? And I think the answer is neither. Like, kind of what LeBron was saying after like you can't you can't ignore this when you play somebody like the Clippers and you know afterwards uh Ty Lue you know I mean he's walking out of the out of the gym to his car just totally disgusted he's a Laker assistant now um 
you know, more so than you would after a regular game. And I mean, you could feel the energy in the building is palpable. Um, but then you start thinking about, okay, well, is this a Western Conference Finals preview? And what Frank Vogel was saying, which is true, is that like for as important as these games feel in the in the moment uh, during the regular season. When you get to a playoff series, none of it matters. Um, you know, match even matchups change. You know, pace of play changes, and so these games are always more about like a measurement of in, of like sort of or, or like either a measurement or a taking stock of the individual pieces. And then when you get into the playoffs, is when you kind of decide well which sum is greater. And so um, I, I do think that Lakers Clippers will happen. I think. Um, I still think the Clippers are the deeper team, but it was good from a Laker perspective to to see them handle business in the fourth quarter once in this series. And it also, Joe, you know, unofficially, I mean, they're going to win the West, right? So they're six and a half up mm-hmm. on the Clippers at this point, um, 52 games in. And I'm, I'm almost surprising myself that I'm going to ask you this question because a matter of days ago, this very question kind of irritated me because I... I didn't think it was a question, but um, the MVP discussion. I've had Giannis Antetokounmpo out in front by a a large margin for quite some time. Uh, The only reason I even dare to bring that up is because a couple of things have happened within the past couple of days. For one, the Lakers keep winning, and I am definitely, in terms of my own MVP calculus, um, you know, it's I don't know what percentage of the decision I would prescribe it to, but you know, overall success does matter to me uh, in terms of the MVP award, trying to reward the guys on the best teams. Um, the Lakers now somewhat, you know, I'm surprised by this are there only two losses uh, or two behind the, the bucks in the loss column. Um, that matters if they keep racking up wins. And Oh, by the way, Giannis got hurt the other day. He's got a left knee sprain, going to miss at least two games. Uh, the bucks dropped their first game without him. Um, you have LeBron playing at an incredible level. Where do you fall on that question of, you know, how much of a race this is at this point between Giannis and LeBron, considering that there is a very distinct chance that Giannis's candidacy for, you know, I mean, maybe it's kind of unofficially over at this point. I mean, I don't know, you know, what he's going to do down the stretch, but, uh, you know, do we have a race? Boy, um, the, <laughs> there is a lot there. I mean, I spent most of the weekend going around saying, well, <laughs> you know, fine, but, but Giannis is the MVP. Right. And, and I think there's a couple things there. One that I got some pushback, um, from others like us who may or will vote tells me that maybe this thing isn't over yet. Um, and then I just stopped to consider basically everything that you had just said, which is true, is that like actually, hey, there is still a bunch of the season left and there is there are still things to play for. And LeBron is playing out of his mind down the stretch. Uh, he is. He's averaging like 38 and nine and a half since the All-Star break now, which is eight games. So that's that's, you know, I mean, he's he's putting them up like the Lakers are winning all these big games right now. And so I think I think I am willing to pay attention to this. Um, I since I've been covering the league, LeBron has not won an MVP. Uh, I've had the chance to vote for him for MVP a number of times. And I think I cast that ballot twice. Um, he's had some situations like this where he's had monster second halves, but something else was going on like Russ averaging a triple-double 
which hadn't been done since Oscar or, um, you know, James Harden playing just stupid good. Or then even like, you know, obviously LeBron was out of the equation last year for Giannis. So I don't know. I, I think that the race, I think there is still a sliver. I think this needs to continue uh, for, for LeBron to continue to play like this because I think I think a lot of minds were made up. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, well, and, and then you and just, I, you say how old he is too. Like that just blows me right. away to do this at, at, at 35 years old. No, for sure. Although that's where I'll push back, right? I like it. That shouldn't matter. It just can't matter. You can't give him any more love on the MVP front because of his age, in my opinion. Um, I left out the most important part of Giannis getting hurt, which is it was in the game against the Lakers where the Lakers obviously took the bucks out. And, and that's where the Lakers weekend was just incredible. You, you went in. You know, wondering how they would size up in these tests against the Bucks and the Clippers, and they they you know they passed through with flying colors. Um, and you know, I don't know. Giannis has has been incredible, um, but this this kind of confluence of events has definitely gotten my attention because the other thing that has happened is it's not he he you know Giannis hasn't looked very human, but he's looked a little bit human recently. They had that loss against Miami, um, you know, where he goes six of eighteen from the floor you know, 13 points. He's just, he's had a few moments lately that, uh, you know, that kind of, I think opened the door a little bit and LeBron's been incredible. I think, uh, some of the chatter you felt in LA during that game is probably what's going to happen. I think it's, I think, you know, there's certainly no, uh, unanimous MVP coming. I think we got a race here. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, you can just imagine, cause you know, at the end of the day, the, the voters are us, our either you know you and I specifically or our co- colleagues and so you know we already know who it is that's going to do the voting and then you can just imagine well this guy would never consider LeBron um or and this guy would this girl would this girl that so so like you kind of know what do you um, mean you just kind of have a feeling never oh no yeah I mean I think I like in the context of what's been going on um and the numbers that Giannis has put up and sort of the narrative of the Bucks being you just need to know where different people place. are at. yeah yeah the, 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 that's what i mean like um and then and then you know we just we know we know these people we know you know just kind of what they're interested in and and i just i think i think you can imagine some who like have have already made up their minds is, is i think the basic point got gotcha. you got gotcha. you uh before we get out here my friend um I would be remiss if I didn't mention that one of the most annoying parts of being sick when I was in New York City and then basically trying to rest up before, you know, heading back home and, and not un- unfortunately being able to see anybody or do anything was that the Knicks decided to be the Knicks again. Um, happens all the time. You know, they uh, they look in the mirror, they see who they are, and mainly James Dolan is who we're talking about here. And the Spike Lee story unfolded. And I tell you what, brother, like – you talk about being being pissed off that that you're not able to go do your job. That that would have been a pretty good night to be at the Garden to uh, to go write about the Knicks and and what happened with Spike Lee. You know he gets upset because he was trying to uh, come into the game through the same entrance that he's been coming through for 28 years or somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, next thing you know, he's talking to James Dolan. Next thing you know, it's going viral on social media. Um, they look terrible in this situation. They, they put out a statement unnecessarily yet again, kind of going at spike spike goes on ESPN, you know, talks about the franchise, 
meanwhile, and this is tough to kind of wrap this all up in one, but you know, yes, the Nets obviously uh, parted ways with Kenny Atkinson. We haven't gotten into that much, but for the most part, you know, so the Nets have their issues, but the Nets have been a, a pretty successful organization for the past little while. And, and you're sitting there watching the Spike Lee thing and just getting reminded why uh, they swung and missed the Knicks did last summer in free agency with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, players like that, just consistently choosing not to go there. It's, it's such an interesting dynamic where a, a guy like Spike is just universally loved. And so all the players, you know, whenever they come through the garden, they, they want to come shake Spike's hand and say hello and talk to him. And that's a positive, you know, kind of member of the Knicks unofficially. Uh, but that does not translate to, to, you know, folks trusting what's happening upstairs. Um, you know, it, I just, I don't know where to take that, but, but the whole Knicks thing was just wild. So, yes, like my take on the Knicks was, is I've kind of, it's like, it's kind of like how I think a lot of the uh, sporting public outside of Cleveland looks at the Browns. Um, They, they cannot like, like, because they cannot get it right on the field or on the court and have had numerous opportunities and, and plans to do so. And none of them work. And then at the same time, like the, the, the circus stuff never stops. And so like now you have Spike Lee fighting with Nick's ownership and it's just like, I kind of almost roll my eyes at that and just kind of move on. Um, because I'm, you know, I, I don't see any path for the Knicks to be relevant anytime soon. Um, you know, there's all this nonsensical talk about Giannis becoming a free agent, but he can't become a free agent until the following summer. So, um, you know, I, I don't see a scenario where he could push a trade to New York uh, this summer. And so, you know, what are the Knicks going to be? And you just don't know. And then the thing with, with Brooklyn is like, that's the one that shook me. I mean, I I, some of our listeners know I had spent two weeks with the Nets, really, and a lot of that time was spent with Kenny Atkinson. I mean, this dude lived and breathed Brooklyn, not only the organization, but the community. And so now you've got this playoff team. I mean, they are going to make the playoffs. They're heading into the playoffs, and you you get this announcement that they mutually decided to part ways, which I think – at some level is true, but Kenny would not have felt like he didn't want to be there anymore if he had the support of these two superstars uh, in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And, you know, the front office can say whatever they want about the the involvement by those two or lack thereof in, in this decision. But it's 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 a it's a nonsensical argument because if Kyrie and KD wanted Kenny Atkinson to be the Nets coach, he would be, and he's not. And so now they're looking at um, you know having to replace a coach who was otherwise popular in that room. I mean, think about Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and Joe Harris and Karis LeVert. I mean, these players who have been in Brooklyn with Kenny for at least a couple years, if not longer. I mean, you never heard a peep out of them. Uh, and now all of a sudden you have Sean Marks talking about how another voice in the locker room is needed. I, I mean, it's just, you know, you, any, anybody can see what that means. Um, and there's more about this out on the athletic today. Yeah. That's a, that's the segue I was going to go for just to, to make sure that, you know, kind of direct folks to uh, some of the great reporting on our site, Sean Sharani and Alex Schiffer, our Nets beat writer had um, comboed up on a piece trying to explore those issues one graph right in front of me here, you know, that, that hits on what you're talking about. 
chronicled a um, team meeting after their uh, one of their recent games. It says Atkinson walked into a post game locker room, sat down on a chair, and told his players and staff, "It's time to air out our grievances." So they have a meeting. Um, you know, Kenny ends up talking about everybody from Spencer to DeAndre Jordan to uh, to other guys. The the picture they paint is certainly everything you said about Kyrie and Kevin is spot on. That that you know that there were strong signs that they didn't want to play for Kenny. Um, and then you have the political aspect where it's made abundantly clear that okay, Sean Marks is the leader of the front office and, and makes the decisions. The players didn't make this call, but okay, fine. But part of Sean's job is to get the intel about where his players are at with the coach. It, it sounds like for whatever reason that Kenny's rapport with some of the other guys who had been around for a while um, might have gone south as well. So um, weird situation. And, you know, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on who might come next. Obviously, Jacques Vaughn is there now, does seem to have a crack at the, the job full time. Um, Alex and I actually put together a, a piece Yesterday, looking at some of the different candidates, um, but um, but weird times in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you guys had some names in there. Um, you know, some of the guys have, have been around for a long time and either just got done coaching like Tom Thibodeau or haven't been in, in the league for a long time, like or in the, yeah. in the here's, coaching well, here's the list. Time, that like, was like Jeff Van Gundy. My bad attempt at stalling, but here it is. Um, Jeff Van Gundy, Tom Thibodeau. Uh, Jock Vaughn, obviously, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, Darvin Ham, Ime Udoka, Brian Keefe, Adam Harrington. We're not going to go through the whole list. Some of these, admittedly, you know, this is there are tricky dynamics. Like Jason Kidd, is there any way in hell that that after the the awful way that he left that organization that that he would return? I don't know the answer to that. I just know that for one, ownership has changed since then. Um, you know, for two, he's going to be a hot name on the coaching scene because he's done a nice job with the Lakers and he's, he's, he doesn't have any, there's been no dysfunction, you know, no, um, no, none of the nonsense that people thought might be there, the the backstabbing of Frank Vogel that people predicted. Um, And with Jason, what I, not to hone in on him too much, but whether it's Brooklyn or any other team, what I, what I do think is going to be interesting about him this coming summer is that um, there are differing opinions around the league about, you know, his impact on Giannis's future. Like, okay, what's the state of their relationship from their time together in Milwaukee? There was some stuff there that wasn't great, but there are people, I had one person put it to me this way, that they thought hypothetically, like, let's say that the uh, the Bulls went ahead and fired Jim Boylan and brought Jason Kidd to Chicago. Um, that the Bucks, that that would make the Bucks a little bit nervous uh, because, you know, Giannis likes living in that, part of the world and, and that Jason is a guy that, uh, that, you know, that he, that he connected with. So that's an interesting name. Um, Ty Lu, interestingly, we took off the list because um, I had been told that he was somebody to keep an eye on, but then you have a very hard time reconciling uh, that idea with his friction with Kyrie uh, and near the end of the Cleveland tenure, you're you're the expert on that. Some of the, you know, honestly, Joe, some of the stuff that you and Jason Lloyd and, and Dave McMenamin put out on that one podcast that y'all did together, um, you did kind of a, a, you know, a reflective thing a while back was the reason I took Ty out of the story because it was, you know, tales of, of Kyrie just having zero respect for Ty and, and Ty getting, 
you know, kind of fed up with him. But, uh, you know, what do you think? What do you think of that part? Yeah, I, I think that there was so much there between Kyrie and Ty when they were working together that you would say that this is an absurd idea that, that Kyrie would want to play for him again. But I think also that Kyrie has gotten over some of his Cleveland stuff. I mean, obviously, we had the very public discussion last season about Kyrie and LeBron and sort of how Kyrie viewed um his time with together with LeBron looking back and what Kyrie would wishes he would have done differently. And so I guess you could have the same idea with Ty. I, I had heard, um, I had this weird discussion with somebody on Friday in which it was brought up that, Oh, Ty could be, uh, headed to Brooklyn. And my thing was, well, wait, wait a minute. Um, you know, Kenny Atkinson is their coach and they're on their way to the playoffs. And so this, this was already starting to be out there. And I just, I, can you, I didn't just for the fun of the tampering cry. This is what we do. Like, can you share anything about the, the, like, cause you and I full disclosure haven't, you mentioned that conversation, but you didn't tell me who told you that. Can you share anything about like what community that chatter was coming from? If that makes sense, you know, coaching media. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it came from like the knowledge based community, like like the people who know behind the scenes what's going on with these things, like um, obviously know about them and know the possibilities right. for them uh, before they happen. And this one was obviously correct. Um, so I'll just throw it out there. The two places that <laughs> that uh, were mentioned for Ty were Brooklyn and Houston. Um, Interesting. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, I, I when I think about Ty, I think about New Orleans more than any, but um, or maybe Philly. I don't know. I mean, it's just it was weird because you know the Sixers were in San Francisco the day that Kenny got fired, which was Saturday, the day after I was told about this. Um, but you just have the situation where the seventh place team that's going to the playoffs fires the coach, and now you have the sixth place team in the Sixers, who the coach is always on the hot seat, Brett Brown, and then they go and lose to a Warrior team that had zero players on the court who had even appeared in the previous finals and they still lost. Right. Right. Craziness. All right, my friend, I'm going to bail out here since I'm now on my fifth or sixth cough mute button. But, um, as always, unless you, I don't want to preempt you there. Did you have anything else you want to throw in before we wrap up this week? Yeah. I just thought that maybe you would go and hang up and then I'll just talk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> no. no it's been good it's been fun good stuff thanks as always to the tampering listeners uh if you haven't done so yet make sure you subscribe to the pod on apple Podcasts or on the app give us a nice positive review we would appreciate it and we will be back next week healthy probably still talking about corona unfortunately and uh, we'll see where that storyline goes but joe get some rest and we'll talk to you next week thanks everybody same to you brother yep